from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Celebrating the traditions of Thanksgiving. I'm Charles Denny, a Thanksgiving given sweet potatoes. And we grow some pretty nice ones here in Weekly County, Tennessee. That story coming up on Ag Day. While also saving a little at the grocery store this year. The cost of a Thanksgiving dinner for, uh, for 10, that, uh, centered around a turkey, uh, was down about 4.5% from what it was a year ago. As harvest pushes to the finish, the latest right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Corn harvest across the country is about to cross the finish line. USDA issuing its latest crop progress report putting soybean harvest as completed. Now the agency is saying that 93% of the corn crop has been harvested. That's 2% ahead of normal. Mild and mostly dry weather continuing to push harvest progress ahead of schedule in most states. So for Michigan, North Dakota, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, all of those five states reporting double-digit harvest progress during the week. But producers in Michigan still have a long ways to go. They've only cut 67% of their corn crop. Normally, they have 75% harvested by now. And winter wheat planting is almost complete as well. USDA reporting 95% of that crop is in the ground, now 1% ahead of average. But the crop is already facing condition issues in some key growing states, with drought covering 44% of the growing area. The number one production state, Kansas, coming in this week, 32% of the crop rated very poor to poor. That is reflective of a drought pocket, mainly sitting across the central and eastern part of the state. Other states above that national number of 17% very poor to poor this week include Oregon, 21%. There has been some improvement there as we've gotten some moisture into the northwest. Also coming in this week above that national number is Texas, 20% very poor to poor this week. Even though they've had some rain in Texas recently, still dealing with some areas of drought, especially in key northern and western production areas. Some active weather is on the way just ahead of Thanksgiving. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht is tracking it for us. Matt. Yeah, we're looking at uh, the severe weather risk. Now it is a uh, trunk for our Wednesday and also into Thanksgiving, mainly right along eastern North Carolina, the potential for uh, a few strong thunderstorms uh, to come through. Otherwise, uh, in the wake of this system, we're watching another one that could be coming through as we get into the weekend uh, and also into Sunday and Monday with Snow. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. Go ahead, take a look at your screen here. Let's go over to uh, Illinois Lomax. This is a courtesy of Erica now uh, with this photo. Beautiful shot here. And of course, we're uh, finishing up uh, all the harvesting in and around the country uh, at this hour. Now, overall, we're expecting quiet conditions until this week. And again, when that next system moves through, we love sharing pictures of all those little farm helpers. Erica, again, in uh, Illinois, sharing this one, her little boy who could maybe be one day a third generation farmer. He looks excited to be taking on the harvest. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Well, former President Donald Trump has a comfortable edge over his top rivals right now in the Republican race for president. Candidates are continuing to crisscross Iowa since it is an early voting state. Now, that includes Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. DeSantis was campaigning across southern Iowa, moving closer to his goal of campaigning in all 99 counties. That's a traditional marker some candidates have tried to reach to show their commitment to the state of Iowa. DeSantis making a stop at MBS Family Farms in Plainfield. 
as your nominee, as a military guy, I know what it means to accomplish the mission. So as your nominee for the Republicans, I'm going to get the job done next November for Republican president. As a leader, I'll always conduct myself in a way that you can be proud of. Uh, and as your president, I can promise you this, I will not let you down. The Florida governor has picked up the endorsement of Iowa Republican Governor Kim Reynolds, who broke with the general practice of declining to support a candidate before the caucuses. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN. Hear why farmers across the country trust ESN to protect their nitrogen investment and maximize yield. Learn more at smartnitrogen.com. Farmers are busy trying to get their fall tillage done before winter sets in. And farmers using vertical tillage to manage residue and flip their soil to get higher yields have plenty of questions about how to successfully set and operate their hybrid chisel. Now, Farm Journal field agronomist Ken Ferry says the primary pass in the fall with a hybrid chisel has to be done right for vertical till to be successful and get full shatter. Now, he's referring to the top four to six inches of soil. Typically, this is going to be a function of depth and shank width, width just like we do uh, on all tools. And a good rule of thumb is half your shank width is the depth the tool is going to have to be pulled at. So one of the challenges we run into, let's say with a 510 disc ripper on 30 inch centers, is the depth requirement to get full shatter for those tools is uh, almost out of our horsepower range. So it's a situation where those tools are designed for conventional tillage where you would come back and take out the untilled part with your finishers and your disc in the spring. Now Ferry says there are different types of hybrid chisels with some set to bury residue and others with straight cutters on the front to size residue so it stays on top. Now he says achieving full shatter isn't as crucial for growers doing primary tillage in the fall followed by horizontal tillage in the spring. Hopefully by now you've started to thaw your Thanksgiving turkey and if you still have some grocery shopping to do before the big meal, you're in luck as consumers are expected to save a little bit this year. Agnes Michelle Rook joins us with the good news. Michelle. It's great news for consumers. This year's Thanksgiving meal costs less than it did a year ago. American Farm Bureau's annual survey shows a cost of $61.17 or $6.12 per guest. The cost of a Thanksgiving dinner for uh, for 10, uh, uh, centered around a turkey, uh, was down about 4.5% from what it was a year ago. The decline from last year's historically high prices is due to a 5.6% drop in turkey prices. We had some real problems with uh, avian influenza uh, last year. It really hit the turkey flock, and uh, this year the, that flock got rebuilt, and uh, so there was an ample supply. And the turkey adds value to soybeans, as meal is a huge part of their diet. A lot of people have a disconnect with soil. I don't eat soy, but yeah, you do, absolutely. The conversion of soybean meal to poultry and, and especially turkey dinner, providing that nutrition that families need. So consumers have a lot to be thankful for this Thanksgiving, still paying some of the lowest food prices in the world. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. Grains holding on to gains on Tuesday. Michelle will be right back with a look at our markets and markets now. And later we check out another ingredient for the Thanksgiving meal, sweet potatoes in one area that's been in production for nearly a century in the country. Ag Day presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the testing grounds meet the proving grounds. Pioneer, what's next happens here.
agribusiness giant Bayer continues to deal with the fallout of lawsuits over Roundup, the latest a Missouri jury awarding plaintiffs $1.56 billion after they blame the weed killer for causing their cancer. This is just the latest in a long line of lawsuits. Now Bayer continues to argue that glyphosate is safe and plans to appeal those verdicts. However, the litigation is a continued cost for the Bayer AG corporate balance sheet. Shares recently fell more than 20% in Frankfurt, its largest market value loss ever. Issues in its pharmaceutical division are also contributing. Now, Bayer's market valuation is now less than half what it paid for Monsanto and allocated for ongoing legal issues due to the acquisition. Bayer's CEO has said recently the company is looking at potentially spinning off the ag sciences business. Wheat making some gains Tuesday. Agnes Michelle Rook talks about all the commodity moves in our markets now. Grain markets closing to the plus side on Tuesday. Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing joining us. Dwayne, soybeans continue to lead the charge with a Brazilian weather premium being put in, but we did also kind of run into resistance on Tuesday, didn't we? Yeah, we did. You know, we rallied sharply higher early yesterday morning, and the market started to look pretty exciting and made me think that we might actually push that $14 mark, but that's right where that resistance is. We rallied up on the ideas that the rains are a little bit light in northern Brazil. Remember, northwest Brazil is where this drought has been happening here. So the scattered rains that were much advertised and took the market down late last week, you know, push the market lower then those rains are a little bit light so we rallied a little bit early yesterday morning but ran into that resistance like you said and sold off from there so if the rains really do not confirm like we thought they were going to you know friday because we have such light volume in the trade could we see this thing really explode is that when we could take out that resistance that's kind of what I'm thinking, Michelle. Yeah, we don't have markets on Thursday, obviously, but we do open back up on Friday and December options go off the board Friday evening. So we could see a quite volatile day that day. Volume is always light and market gets crazy. And if the extended forecast shows this heat ridge of doom that they're talking about for early December for northwestern Brazil, this market could definitely take out $14 then. Now, the corn market only about a half to one and a half cents higher, even though you had soybeans and wheat to the plus mm -hmm. side. Why can't the market get going? Is it just hedge pressure every time we go up or what? Well, that's a very good point. You know, I, I think farmers are undersold in the corn market this year. They didn't sell as early as they should have, maybe, I guess. And now we've got a, maybe a little bit more corn than anticipated as well as harvest was maybe better than people thought. So every time you do get a rally, you are going to see farmers selling uh, as we head higher. It's going to be really tough for this market to rally much above that 525, 535, where I have targets for guys to sell. It's going to be hard to rally above that because of, like you said, all the all the hedge pressure up above. And this market just doesn't really have the bullish story, it seems like. But even though that's Brazil drought, Michelle, that should be a bullish story for corn as well. Wheat, was that just short covering the pop we saw there? I think so. The wheat market's been down and drugs so hard. <laughs> I think it just was due for a dead cap bounce. Now, the U.S. dollar has been trending sharply lower. And it did that uh, yesterday before it rebounded a little bit. So maybe the wheat's just catching up to the dollar action lately. Well, thanks for joining us there from the Tractor Cab. Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. For marketing advice, call Bolt Marketing, a futures and options brokerage firm. Ag Day is brought to you by Advanced Acre RX from Winfield United, the comprehensive customized program that's paying off at operations across America. Visit winfieldunited.com slash AARX.
All right, so look at what's going on regarding snowfall. That next system is going to have a little bit more cold air behind it. So the severe weather potential goes down, but the snow potential comes up. Not a lot through the Midwest or the Northeast. We'll see the potential for some heavier snowfall in and across parts of Denver, Colorado, and back down here to the south as we bring that moisture, that energy down from the north to the south, obviously combines with the Gulf of Mexico with some of that, uh, that moisture. And that's going to include uh, some higher snowfall totals uh, back into uh, Nebraska, Kansas, as well as, as I mentioned, uh, Wyoming, a little bit in Montana, uh, as well as into Colorado. As we go through our Saturday and Sunday, you'll see that cold air will sweep with the potential for some snow back up uh, into Missouri uh, and also into the Midwest, a sliver into Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan. Uh, that is going to be uh, less than an inch of snowfall potential. A lot of the warm ground going to eat a lot of that up. Same energy translates to the north east and we get back into the colder air, the moisture off of the Atlantic, which is going to result in possibly some higher snowfall totals in and across Maine. Now the precipitation outlook takes us through November 30th. Besides that system we just looked at on the other side of it, more quiet and dry conditions across the United States with the Gulf Coast states receiving uh, the most rainfall or potentially the most rainfall. Now through the end of the month, our temperatures are staying back down here you know, towards the uh, below normal. But as we've looked at before. It's not so much what's going on here. It's what you start seeing out west because this is going to translate to the possibility of warmer conditions back across the United States as we get uh, into December, maybe the first week of December, uh, seeing at or just above normal temperatures as we go deeper uh, into well, December. As for the jet stream coming up on Wednesday, there's the energy that could potentially uh, bring some severe weather to eastern North Carolina. Another pocket of uh, not only energy, but colder air sets down or starts to move down from the south down to the north uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's also going to bring about some colder temperatures as well. Go to Louisiana, partly cloudy, high around 61, low of 39. Burlington, sunny skies, high of 55, low of 31. And what about mostly cloudy skies in Dequeen? High around 55, low of 29. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator Closing Wheels today. A new report from USCA will keep track of hogs raised in compliance with animal confinement legislation. Now that includes laws such as California's Proposition 12. Prop 12 requires pork produced on farms outside California provide breeding sows with at least 24 square feet of floor space. The same is required within the state. The new classification will be included in the National Weekly Direct Swine Non-Carcass Merit Premium Report. Until now, animal confinement legislation hogs were categorized as other. The National Pork Producers Council is advocated for the reporting. While a lot of folks will be serving up turkey for Thanksgiving, that doesn't mean you can't add pork too. Move over turducken, check out turporkin. It's chicken stuffed inside a pork loin inside a turkey. There's also cornbread dressing between all of those layers. Some are even wrapped in bacon. Now they're for sale online and there are also some YouTube videos to show you how to make them on your own. One seller, Cajun Ed's Southern Scratch Kitchen in Tulsa, Oklahoma says they've become more and more popular because some people just don't like duck. While that dish may become a popular holiday tradition, others return year after year. Up next, a tradition headed for Thanksgiving tables from Tennessee in the country. 
Ag Day is brought to you by Lamar's Toy Store, the largest and most diversified farm toy store in the U.S. They have new and old and do restorations and customizations too. You need to see it to believe it. Visit Lamar'sToyStore.com or call us at 712-546-4305. President Biden spent part of his 81st birthday this week observing a White House tradition, hardening two Thanksgiving turkeys. Gobblers Liberty and Bell receiving executive clemency at a White House ceremony. I hereby pardon Liberty and Bell. Congratulations, birds. The 20-week-year-old 42-pound birds were hatched and bred in Wilmar, Minnesota by the Ginny O Turkey Company. And another holiday tradition, the official White House Christmas tree has arrived. First Lady Jill Biden receiving the tree alongside families connected to the military. The 18 and a half foot Fraser fir came from Fleetwood, North Carolina and Klein Church Nursery, which is operated by brother and sister team Alex Church and Amber Scott. The tree will grace the Blue Room and the White House during the holiday season. Now, the White House Christmas tree presentation is a tradition going back 58 years. Sweet potatoes are a Thanksgiving dish that will be featured on many family tables this week. And Tennessee has historically been a big sweet potato producer. The University of Tennessee's Charles Denny shows us a company where this tasty and nutritious vegetable is a specialty. Gleason, Tennessee is nicknamed Tater Town, and here's why. This area has nearly a century of sweet potato production, with a local steel plant company growing some 35 acres. Here a company crew rides along as a digger hoists the potatoes out of the rich ground. Workers separate the harvest by hand, the potatoes then ready to be cleaned, sold, and eaten. For me, everybody's different, of course, but I like an orange sweet potato that's very sweet. We have one called a Georgia Jet that has absolutely doesn't need any sugar. You can eat it just like it is. Larry Hudson and his family operate the steel plant company with their downtown Gleason warehouse located a few miles from their fields. They grow sweet potatoes by the thousands, what they call dirt candy, and also ship sweet potato slips to locations around the country. A slip is a rooted cutting that starts a full-fledged potato. You can grow a steel sweet potato in your own garden and order the slips from their website. We grow 11 different varieties and ship them all over the United States by mail order. We ship about uh, 3 million plants a year, 3 to 4.6 million. After they're pulled from the ground, sweet potatoes are stored in a dark, humid area for about a week, then eventually moved to a cooler environment. This curing process is what gives the potato its sweetness. Weekly is one of Tennessee's most productive ag counties, with thousands of acres of soybeans, corn, wheat, and cotton. With good soil and growing conditions, sweet potatoes add to the area's agricultural variety. That's right, you know, really with every aspect of agriculture, diversification generally is a good thing, you know, and, and having this in Weekly County is just another um, source of economic benefit, you know, provided to the county. Fall harvest means Tater Town lives up to its name. So as you enjoy a delicious seasonal vegetable, know the hard work of this Tennessee company makes a nice compliment to a holiday meal history and taste smothered in sweetness. 
This is Charles Denny reporting. All right, thanks, Charles. Now get yourself a terporkin to go with those sweet taters, maybe a few marshmallows on top. That's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. I'm all of us here at Ag Dan, Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.